A thing that looks like a police box standing in a junkyard. It can move anywhere. Haven, Colton Dread on Sen. Give priority to the detectors and the navigation systems. There is a corridor. And the corridor is time. It surrounds all things. On display, I eventually had to go down to the cellar. That's the display department. With a torch. The lights were probably gone. So had the stairs. You are just number six. I am not a number. I am a person. Welcome to British Invaders, episode 412. This is the podcast all about British science fiction television, and this time we are continuing our discussion about Haunted. This is Brian from Canada. And this is Eamon from England. Hello. Yes, we're back, continuing our look at ITV's foray into seasonal ghost stories with two standalone plays they did for Christmas 1974. They're about 50 minutes each. They're in colour. They have pretty impressive casts and production values, as you might expect from ITV at the time. And they perhaps try to do something slightly out of the ordinary, or they choose slightly out of the ordinary ghost stories to produce, which we might get into in a moment. They're slightly different to the BBC sort of classic M.R. James's, I should say, Brian. Yes, absolutely. At this point, the BBC was doing adaptations of M.R. James short stories. And in this series, Haunted, they chose for their two stories contemporary writers and relatively recent short stories rather than these turn-of-the-century ones. Poor Girl was the second of the two episodes they did. It was adapted from a 1955 short story by the novelist Elizabeth Taylor. Not the actor, different person. It was adapted by Robin Chapman and directed by Michael Apted long before his Hollywood days. And it was broadcast on December 30th of 1974, so just one week after the first episode, The Ferryman. And this one begins with a sort of classic ghost story idea of a new governess being appointed to care for the nine-year-old son of a rich Edwardian family in 1907. So unlike The Ferryman, this one, is a period piece. And in the period piece, this young governess, Florence Chasty, played by Lynn Miller, is very keen to do a good job and make a good impression in her first post. But the young boy, Hilary, played by Matthew Pollock, is a reluctant student and he's very easily distracted, very keen to talk about other things that might be going on in the house and the world. And while Florence is trying to sort of teach him his lessons, as it were, teach him his maths and his English and his languages and so on, his parents, played by Angela Thorne and Stuart Wilson, they're, well, they're watching very closely. I'm sure they, you know, they wouldn't have had a similar expression in 1907, but they're sort of helicopter parents. They're very close, keeping an eye on what's going on. They don't make it easy for Florence Chasty and the child, Hillary, he doesn't make it easy for her either. She has her hands full. And it would be fair to say, I think, that the parents' own relationship with each other is going through a troublesome period. They're not getting on very well and everybody's very 
It's all very tense in this household, Brian. There's a lot of pressure on this young woman. And as you say, the parents and the child are both making it difficult for her. Yes, we're starting out with this difficult job for her and a lot of tension in the character relationships going on here as well. And then Florence starts to see these visions or hauntings of another young, arrogant young man living in the same house. And we get these questions of who is he? What is causing these strange visions of things like lipstick marks or jewelry here and there? And maybe these are things that other people are seeing as well as her. And the tension builds as Hillary's father is taking a particular interest in this young governess. Yes, it would be fair to say that the father in this household has got somewhat of a wandering eye, as it were. And we should mention that this does feature, this episode does feature a brief 1974 television sex scene. I mean, it's not too explicit because it is on ITV in the in the early 70s. But it also, slightly more troubling, has got this strange, the turn of the screw sort of suggestion that the young boy is very interested in the governess himself and maybe in some way attracted to the governess. And it's this is a difficult subject to talk about, but it did remind me of Henry James's The Turn of the Screw and the film version, The Innocence, that was made in 1961. It all, I think, just adds to this strange, uncanny feeling in this house and this sense that things are not quite right and everything's very tense and strained. Yes, it does some things that are uncomfortable there with this young boy's interest in in his governess and touches a little bit on that idea of the strange dynamic between wealthy children and servants, where in some sense the child is in charge and in some sense the servant tasked with taking care of the child is in charge. So some of that tension is there too. And of course, we can't reveal really what's going on without going into spoilers. You might be wondering what makes this ghost story slightly out of the ordinary. Well, I think, Brian, we can give a hint that there is some timey-wimey stuff going on in this one. And all will be revealed if you watch the episode after listening to this podcast. Yes, there is some interesting things with these visions and various things that go on here, for sure. And it's... Something of a different take on uh, Ghost Story from that era. So, of course, that was the second episode. There were only the two. It came with the haunting titles and the haunted uh, logo, which seemed to suggest that this was going to be a series. But it didn't come back in subsequent years. And unfortunately, despite us looking quite hard on the internet, the only thing we can find is various cult tv and genre tv websites all speculating pretty much as we're about to as to why this series didn't come back yeah it may have been that the ratings were just not where they wanted them and it wasn't competing with the bbc ghost story for christmas strand in the way they wanted it to 
it might also have been related to changing executives at ITV. And, you know, as new people came in in various positions, maybe there was less interest in doing that. It's it's hard to say. And who knows what the advertisers thought about the figures? Because obviously, it's, this was the commercial TV channel, there would have been adverts interrupting these two 50-minute episodes maybe the advertisers were not impressed with the figures themselves. Yeah, it's quite possible. And of course, it just seems a shame that they couldn't manage to at least do one ghost story at Christmas with the haunted logo and the haunted opening music each year. But as we say, we've just got these two released on a DVD in 2012. That's the only bit we have to talk about. Seems a shame, but there you go. Yes, indeed. So we should talk about our own feelings about these two episodes and which bits we liked and disliked. We're going to break it up and start with The Ferryman. And I'll throw to you first, Brian. If we talk about that adaptation of the Kingsley Amos story, what did you like about it? What was the good bits for you? Well, there there were a couple. I definitely liked the performances in this. I thought Jeremy Brett was great, and a lot of it hinges on him. But across the board, they were solid, and they really helped to drive this one forward and to to sell it. Yes, great performances. Great to see Jeremy Brett in something other than Sherlock Holmes. Although, I noticed again from off air, Brian, that this watching this has made you sort of want to go back to the Jeremy Brett Sherlock Holmes episodes. It does a little bit, yes. But he is definitely good in other things. And we have seen him show up in in other things on British Invaders from time to time. The one I'm thinking about is the picture of Dorian Gray. He was in a version that we covered. Oh, that's right. And it is, I mean, it's nice to see the contemporary setting for this story. It's nice to see him as a sort of modern day writer of ghost stories who's a bit bored with it all. He's finding the sign-ins and the fan conversations a bit wearing. So I enjoyed the contemporary setting for this one, Brian. I thought that was interesting compared to what the BBC were doing with the very period set ghost stories. Yeah, I think that did work well. I also quite liked the look of this. I felt it had a look that sort of worked really well with what they were doing. It does. I think it looks great. I think it all goes very well. You know, they've got good sets, good locations, the stuff in the car with the tremendous rainfall, the stuff that happens outside the pub when Sheridan Owen, this young writer, ventures outside into the uncanny, as it were. Yeah, I thought it all looked terrific. I'll also say that the the Kingsley Amis story and the story of the story, the backstory of this is fascinating to me. This idea that Kingsley Amis had this sort of encounter in the pub with his wife, with these characters who seem to share names with fictional characters he'd made up in a novel a year or two earlier, and then he turned this into a supernatural short story. I find that all quite fascinating, Brian. Yes, that is quite neat. And I think the the writing on here and how it was adapted was pretty good. It was not, you know, one of the strongest ghost stories we've seen, but it was it was good. There's a twist in the tale, which we can't really mention without spoiling. But again, I thought that worked for me. The idea that the wife, who has been very sceptical up to this point, may have had her own supernatural encounter. That that works quite well for me. Yeah, I liked all that. Do you have any downsides, any negative points on this one? Um, do you know, I really didn't on this one. I liked it. I liked the contemporary setting, which seemed to be doing something different. 
and this idea of an author who I mean it's it's a slightly more familiar idea now that Stephen King I think has explored this quite a few times the author who's sort of haunted by his own or her own creations but yeah this one seeing it in 1974 I thought that was terrific yes what about yourself did you have any downsides to this one not a lot but I did find at points it was just a little bit dull for a ghost story and just not quite as compelling as some of the really strong ones and that's a bit nitpicking because it was definitely interesting and compelling enough but it wasn't quite at the level of some of the really good ones does it have that mr jamesian wallop at some point the the real the bit that makes you all you know everybody sit up and pay attention yeah i don't think it quite has that right Okay, so that's the ferryman. And we know, as we say, lovely to see Jeremy Brett, Leslie Dunlop as the daughter, who we've previously talked about in Red Shift. She was very good. What about if we turn to the poor girl, or rather poor girl, as it's called, the adaptation of the Elizabeth Taylor story? What do you make of this one, Brian? Well, this one, I'll say at the outset, I don't think it's as strong as The Ferryman. It, it is an interesting one. I did, uh, I did enjoy it. Again, I think the casting is very good. And especially Matthew Pollock as this young boy, Hillary, does a great job at the pretty challenging acting task set before him. So that was good, for sure. Yes, I mean, the cast is great. Angela Thorne as the mother is uh, always good on screen. And it looks, you know, this is a period setting for this one, costume drama, as it were. I think they've managed all the sort of the setting of the house and the costumes and the hair and everything. That works quite well. And, of course, it does something... I think both of these stories were obviously chosen by Derek Granger because they both do something slightly different with the ghost story. This does something that we can't really spoil but it you know it's interesting and uncanny and there's a bit of strangeness about the whole setup isn't there yes there is and it relies on a lot of character relationships which was an interesting take on things there's some tricky stuff going on in this one uh, that makes it at times uncomfortable viewing yes definitely there is the things we have with the young boy being interested in his governess particularly was uncomfortable I think also the father and his relationship with the governess is dealt with a little bit differently than it would be now. I think they were maybe a little bit perfunctory and just sort of having that and not dealing with what it meant quite as much as they should have when they were doing this much with the characters. But again, they did have some really interesting things with the characters there. And as you've said previously, Brian, there is something about this setting, this Edwardian family, this well-off family and their relationship to the people who work for them, their servants, their, the governess, the other staff in the house. There's something, you know, strange about that and about how the children would just, as you say, perhaps not treat the governess as a friend or a teacher, but rather just as an employee, a servant. And that adds to the sort of strange feeling. It's maybe that that partly disturbs us when we watch this, that we're just not used to those sort of settings going on in our house, as it were, or in the houses that we encounter. Yeah, so some interesting things there. 
Should we get into some of the negatives on this? Yeah, let's do that. What did you find was less convincing about this one? I know you find this one the lesser of the two. Yeah, I do. And I think in part, it's because there isn't enough of the spooky stuff. It's there and it's interesting. But if they're doing a ghost story, I would have liked to see it be a little bit more intense in that way and take up a little bit more of the focus than it did. Right. Okay. I personally found the young governess arriving to look after the children in a rich house. I'm, I think this was. it probably goes back to Henry James and the turn of the screw. But of course, since then, we've seen so many adaptations of that work and also so many, or certainly I've read so many books that sort of riff on this theme of the young governess arriving and then strange stuff starting to happen. That I must admit, I was a little bit bored by that idea, Brian. I've sort of felt, oh, I've seen this so many times before. Now, obviously, what happens with the twist is... I think that sets this one apart slightly, but I was a little bit bored with the setting to begin with. Yes, I think doing a period set ghost story was probably a mistake for them. I think with the ferryman, they were setting themselves apart from what the BBC had been doing up to that point with A Ghost Story for Christmas. And they set themselves apart less so with with Poor Girl. And it's an interesting story, but I would have liked to have seen the second one also be contemporary and maybe contrasting in different ways. Yeah, interesting. I I mean, I did feel feel like yourself Brian that this was the lesser of the two and you know I don't suppose they could really have brought this story into the 1970s just because the idea of a governess going to work at a uh, rich person's house probably wouldn't be so familiar then maybe maybe they should have chosen another contemporary ghost story to do i would have quite liked to have seen another 70s set story instead i yeah i think that probably would have been a better choice and poor girl at in some aspects felt like it was a little bit you know paint by numbers you know it was a little bit following well-established patterns of this type of new governess coming into a troubled situation story where some of the things they did with that with the characters and the spooky stuff was good and did help differentiate it i think with the ferryman being a contemporary ghost story I think it started out with something that was a little more interesting and less familiar. So I do think going with something uh, contemporary with both stories would have been an interesting choice. And of course, you know, that was something, as you pointed out before, Brian, that the, the BBC ghost story for Christmas eventually got to, to two contemporary set stories at the end of its run. ITV had a chance to do it earlier and did one of them and unfortunately didn't get to do any more. Yeah, and I think if you're comparing Haunted to A Ghost Story for Christmas, I think A Ghost Story for Christmas is much stronger. But if you're comparing Haunted to the two contemporary episodes they did at the end of A Ghost Story for Christmas... At least for The Ferryman, I think it stands up pretty well. Yes, I think I'd be more keen to re-watch The Ferryman than I would The Ice House at the moment. Stigma, Stigma was an interesting one. I might want to watch that one again this Christmas. 
Uh, we'll see. Yes, but I think it does stand up pretty well in comparison to those. Okay, splendid stuff. Shall we get to our recommendations for our listeners, Brian? Is it your turn to go first? I think it may be. I will give this a cautious recommendation. And I will say if you're looking for classic ghost stories and you don't have the BBC A Ghost Story for Christmas set, get that one first for sure. If you have that and you want more or you're a completist, then definitely add this to your collection as well, because they are worth watching if you're really going into those ghost story for Christmas type stories and collecting a lot of those. I think I'm going to pretty much agree with you there, Brian. I think if you're on a limited budget, then the BBC Ghost Story for Christmas box sets are the ones to go for, particularly now they've put out the Mark Gatiss four stories as well. But if you're after something slightly different, if you particularly want to see the contemporary vibe of The Ferryman and also to work out what the, the actual twist is in Poor Girl, then £7 doesn't seem too bad a deal to me at the moment for this DVD set. So I'm going to give it a cautious recommendation. Start with the BBC series first, but then maybe have a, give a haunted a look and let us know what you think. So where would you put in the order of priority of what you you're recommending people get where would you put casting the runes the, the itv ghost story so casting the runes again comes from that sort of late 70s itv supernatural shows and i would put casting the runes above this one i think that's a much stronger production than these two um so for me it would be the BBC series, and then Casting the Runes, and then lower down, it would be Haunted. What about yourself? Exactly the same. I would put Casting the Runes in between there as well. But of course, if you agree or disagree with our takes, uh, if you've seen these two episodes and you have your own thoughts, if you have any idea why ITV didn't continue the series, then please do get in touch with us. Join the Facebook group and let us know. Absolutely. Or feel free to let us know on Twitter as well. So, in summary, Haunted gave us two ghost stories. A contemporary ghost story called The Ferryman, which involved a ghost story writer who is not enjoying his own success and his own book tour. And when he escapes with his wife to a country inn, finds it strikingly similar to the things that he has written himself. And spooky things ensue and we get interesting things happening there. The second one was Poor Girl, and it gave us a period piece with a governess going to take care of a nine-year-old boy for a wealthy couple, and we get all sorts of interesting character dynamics between the parents and between the child and the governess, and also between the governess and the parents and the child and the parents, and we get into some spooky things there with an interesting reveal at the end. Great stuff. Let us know what you think. And please come back and join us next time. We kick off a new year of uh, shows with some more Terry Pratchett 
fun and mayhem in Terry Pratchett's Going Postal from Sky TV in 2010. And we're back in that weird comedy fantasy world set in Brian. Absolutely. So until then, you can find all of our Christmas ghost stories among another 400 and some episodes at BritishInvaders.com. Or if you search for British Invaders on Facebook, you can find our group there and join in on the conversation. And we're on Twitter as well, at, at BritInvadersPod. And we are also members of the Voice of Geeks Network, which you can find at vognetwork.com. Several podcasts there, some Twitch streaming, some gaming content, some discussions and round tables going on. Check out all the fun at vognetwork.com. Absolutely. So thank you for listening, and this is Brian from Canada signing off. Yes, thank you very much indeed. Until next time, Eamon in England also signing off.